This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the besotted pride of West London podcast. And we're back after an international break, which, to be quite honest, couldn't have come quick enough for the bees. It's been time for us to regroup and in many quarters take a bit of a chill pill. It's pretty quiet in the studio today because everyone seems to have gone on football holiday. They've gone out for the sun. You know, the Allards apparently is wearing some Texas hat somewhere. Liberal Nick's doing some sort of liberal activities, and uh, not sure he's off to. But I'm here. I'm back. Well, you're back, you're back from your own international break, Bill. <laughs> That's right, mate. I mean, it was, uh, international duty calls me back to Griffin Park, like, you know. like international rescue, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Thunderbird 4 brought you back. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, but, but it's good to be back, actually. It's, uh, it's a bit strange, because there's all, been all sorts of activities taking place, but... um. You know, it's still good to be back into the into the football spirit. I only caught one game so far, which we'll talk about in a minute. But yeah, I'm I'm here with Mr. Dave Lane. How are you doing, Dave? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. I've thoroughly enjoyed a, a football-free weekend last weekend. I thought um, after the Reading game, I think it's exactly what the doctor ordered: a little bit of calmness um, and a little bit of uh, non-beads. I think hopefully everyone would have uh, recharged their batteries and be looking forward to leave at the weekend. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. That's cool. I mean, I, I, after only having one game back, I was desperate for football. So I actually went to Dulwich Hamlet last Saturday, which was actually a thoroughly enjoyable experience. I actually bumped into one of the Brighton lads that we interviewed uh, last season at the game as sounded, well. Who uh, sounded like you drunk even more at Dulwich Hamlet than you normally do at a Brentford match. Well, uh, listen, you know, <laughs> their game revolves around. Uh, it's actually it's just it's just quite mad. They've got a fantastic bar there. It's got all sorts of ridiculous ales. People are bringing cans in from the supermarket next door. But it, it's actually got a really nice vibe to the to the game. There's about 1,700 people there. Um, they even had a, a collection for the uh, for the refugees as well, which was which was nice. So there's massive pounds of uh, 
of um, you know of, of clothes that people have bought to the game that they're going to be shipping off all over Europe. So uh, yeah, it's it's, a, it's it's actually quite quite good actually. I think I'll be down there a few more times this season. And also, we've got a newbie in the house. Uh, one of the besotted crew travels with us quite a lot, Mr. Mark Ristic. How you doing, mate? Uh, Billy, yeah, great to be here. Thank you for the invite. Yeah. And, and how did you spend your international break, mate? Uh, basically, very lazily, I spent it on a golf course in Dorset, so that's not very loyal in any way, shape or form. You're, you're but still, still doing that caddying, are you? <laughs> Dave, it's a lot better than the way I play golf. But uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, we certainly kept an eye on the international antics across the four nations. And uh, let's face it, even the rugby crew are going to be looking forward to that in the next few weeks, without a doubt, in our area. That's right, indeed. So, listen, we, we've got a really varied show to go, so we're going to crack on. Um, we'll be getting a view from Red Men TV from Liverpool on new loan signing Sergio Canos. We also caught up with a bunch of Shrewsbury fans at the England game about the ginger curlo Ryan Woods. They were very, very excited. We also get an update from the Brentford Stadium head honcho Brian Burgess on Lionel Road. And also, of course, we've got a game at the weekend, Leeds United. We're going up there on the train, boats, planes, wherever we're getting up there. And we're going to chat with Loaded Magazine founder James Brown. He's also the editor of Sabotage Times. And he's going to tell us how he thinks his Leeds team are shaping up for the match at the weekend. So first of all, let's have a little wee look back to the last weekend of August. Seems ages yeah. ago that. The Bees got taught a bit of a lesson by our neighbours down the M4 Reading. They bashed us up. 3-1. I mean, that was the first game back, and it was interesting to see what had gone down. First half, we looked all right for a little bit, and then we just went to pot. Went completely wrong, didn't it? Yeah, I, I think it did. You know, I, I, in, in, when you're actually at the game, because you're, you're, because you're urging the team on so much, you can, sometimes you kind of sit, you, sometimes you've got like rose tinted glasses on, or you, you don't, you don't quite see it as bad as it, it, it might be, but. Um, yeah, it wasn't pretty the first half. I think they up up to the second half, um, but it's just yeah, you know, uh, it's just nothing. Nothing seemed to come off, Bill. Um, and you know, we had a little late rally where you know it, it looked like we might do a, a Brentford and, and pull it back, but you know, it just it just wasn't to be. And you know, I thought three one flat them slightly. I can honestly, um, but you know, I don't think we deserved to win it, and uh, a point would have been maybe lucky. So you know, but another day, we, you know, we would have got a point out of that. I think I think the second goal, their second goal, wasn't a free kick. It was a beautiful free kick that did score it. But, you know, everything, everything went against us. We did sort of, like, come out of the traps quite well, looking with a sort of quite an intensity that we were have been looking for for the past three or four games. I didn't have the pleasure of going to the Ipswich game, but to see us come out as we did, we started well, but something after about the half-hour mark started seem to slip away. Maybe, you know... Vibe's goal was fantastic, but that was later on in the second half. There didn't seem to be a continuity of the sort of football we were playing last season. I know many people will latch on to that, saying, oh, why isn't it like last season? But it's not. We've got a very different setup and a very different crew now. And it's interesting to see where this may go. We were unlucky, and we said this before, I thought we were unlucky to have actually lost the game because... We were really bad in the first half, but if we had done what we'd done in the second half last season, we would have come back into the game. The fact is that we didn't come back into the game. You could turn around and say, yeah, that is unlucky, 
but also there's some fundamental you know, issues there really, aren't there? I think we did look weak in, in a couple of areas. We did, we did look light up front. Um, we did miss Gray. That's a, you know, just that's a fact. Um, and we, 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 are, we, are missing, we are missing people like Yotta, and, and, and we, did, we did probably miss Moses a bit. You know, it's, it's, those, those, those people have been taken out of our squad, plus, plus other injuries. And, you know, it, it all seemed to conspire to be a, a lacklustre you know, performance. It, it wasn't, you know, you, well, I think we all went there hoping that the new signings would really step up to the mark and we'd come out all guns blazing and, you know, we'd be going, oh, you know, you wouldn't miss any of these players. But I think, I think there was a, a bit of a dark cloud and I, I'm not sure how the pitch played a part. The pitch in the end was, was perfect, I thought. You know, but whether that was in the back of their minds as well, so part of it, I, I, I don't know. But they trained on it on the Friday. It looked, it looked a really good surface. So, you know, credit where credit's due. You, know, or, or you would never have thought that a game would have been playable. Um, but obviously, you know, um, it, 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 it held up well. So um, and it, was, it was a pretty good game of football, all in all. So, um, yeah, I, I just think that it, I think we need, we need the new players to come in in the window I think we needed a, a, a break, and I think we need to let everything settle down. So it's just a shame we So, with the transfer window closing shut, Brentford were fairly quiet. You know, on the downside, we lost Gray, we've lost Dallas, we've lost Douglas, we've lost Odibaju, plus Hotter, McEachern, Bellan, they've all lost them through injury. And when that window was closing, we were just hoping that we wouldn't lose any more players. That was the vibe, you know. So we signed Ryan Woods from Shrewsbury. Um, we've signed Sergio Canos from Liverpool. Obviously, we've got Hoffman. We've got Duracin fairly late on. And we also got Vibay as well as, as the window, you know, was coming down or was closing. So that was our activity. Um, to be honest, I, know, I, I thought the transfer window was... I think it was thoroughly unenjoyable, if I'm honest with you. You know, I, I, normally, you know, it was actually... If you look at it, it was fascinating from a Brentford fan's perspective. You know, there was... There was huge transfer fees coming in. Now, we can argue about whether we should have kept them or could have kept them and all that, and we have done on the podcast, but huge transfer fees coming in and pretty big ones going out too. We bought, we have bought in a lot of expensive players from, from, you know, historic, from a historical perspective, but I just felt that because of, because of the dark cloud that was hanging over us, we, would, we were just kind of like, we felt like we'd been shafted. We felt like we've come out of all of this in a weakened position. Whether we have or not, um, we'll, we'll find out in the coming months. But you know, people like Jurisin coming in, you know, I think we've got to be got to be excited about. And uh, you know, the, the, the Liverpool the Liverpool lad, um, no one really knows a lot about him. If I'm honest with you. But uh, everyone seems to have got mostly excited about Ryan Woods, the, the ginger perlo. You know, out of all out of all the signings, out of everything that's that's come in, you know, all these like, under under twenty one international players we've got. Um, a lot of a lot of fans have got really excited about the Shrewsbury player. So um, yeah, I, I think I think that's what a lot of people were crying out for was um, you know an enforcer in the middle or someone who could dictate the game, someone who would get stuck in. So um, ho- hopefully hopefully that will be that will be him. But um, yeah, I, I, I just think. Because of the because of the gloomy vibe for the first few weeks of the season, I, I just I just felt the whole transfer window was a, a really unfortunate distraction. There's another example of why I think the window needs to needs to be slammed shut before the season starts. I just think you need to start the season with your, your squad in place. 
um, you know, he saw, it, it didn't do us any favours at all, Bill. Everyone's got to deal with the transfer window. Brentford had a successful season last season, so can't you also turn around and say we were the victims of success? You know, the fact we had a successful team that, you know, we picked up for probably relative peanuts compared to if you look at Wolves' budgets or Norwich's budgets or Borough's budget, you know, relative peanuts. Um, other teams are going to go, cool, blimey, I'm going to have some of that. They come and just pluck our players and pay them lots more money, and we're a victim of our own success, and unfortunately, we're not able to match the money that they're offering. You're absolutely right, Bill. I mean, that's the nature of the transfer window for people who don't have parachute payments now from the Premiership. We fight that. We fight the other issues there, and as we well know, people were going to jump in for great. That was really no secret. I mean, the speculation and... The rumours that tended out to be fact, and and he ends up at Burnley. We are where we are. But the reality was, even as the window was coming close to closure, we still kept screaming, we need strikers, we need strikers, we need strikers. I've got to echo some of Dave's comments, Jurisin. I think that has the potential, my personal humble opinion, of course, of being quite a good signing. Ginger Perlo, we might live to regret saying Ginger Perlo, but at the end of the way... At the end of the day, Woods, let's see what he can do. Too many midfielders? I don't know. Depends what format we're going to set up on. Uh, the stat model may decide that for us. But Canos, ex-Barcelona, well, not ex-Barcelona, but a Barcelona academy trainee from Liverpool, from all the press that I've seen and been viewing, he seems he's right up to playing for us. Have we made some bad choices? Is that a trait of the transfer window dragging on into the season? There's pros and cons to both of those arguments. Um, there's a lot to be said. Make sure, like Dave said, is your squad set up before the season starts? Or do we want the lottery that comes through a month into the season? To be fair, I think, you know, to be fair, I think we were breaking ourselves with a storm. I mean, we set ourselves up pretty early. I mean, we, we signed players properly early. You know, they do business in, you know, May, June, you know, maybe a bit of July, and they do all their business then. And we, we, we'd done business with the Europeans at the right time. It was when August came, it all went kind of like all the English teams go, oh, here we go, let's just upset the apple cart. And that's when it all went a bit horribly wrong. And, you know, we were the victims of that because we were a successful team last season. And it, it's a question of do British, uh, uh, shall we say, agents do business, and uh, British clubs do business differently the way they do in Europe. That could be quite a dichotomy that needs to be sorted out. But I've got a feeling the FAs and, and the sheer amount of money that travels around with this, um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, one of the biggest statistics at the moment is that the Championship, uh, I think, hit £100 million in transfer fees. Is that I, 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 to how well we're either doing or how silly is it becoming? I, and I really think the whole transfer window system is set up for the clubs with parachute payments. They, they, were, yeah. they were allowed yeah. to see how the season started. They were allowed to see who, who started the season in good form in the championship. And they, and they went and plundered. You know, if, if they yeah. had to make their decisions before the season started, then they may not have been so generous for Gray. So, I mean, there, you know, as you say, there's, there's, there's pros and cons of, of mm. the transfer window. But, but I, I don't actually think our squad has been in, is in a stronger position because of, you know, um, the transfer window not being closed before the season started. Um, and I'm glad, I'm glad it's finished as well for another reason. I saw, um, 
Dykehausen today saying that David Button is the best keeper he's ever worked with or yes. known yes. or, or ever or yeah. been in the history of the world of football. <laughs> so, um, so I, 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 so if the transfer window was open, I don't think we'd have him six months. So maybe Button's one to maybe well, no, top of the list to go in no. January. Already, no, already a story's already popped up that Bratton Villa are now back in for Button. I mean, I don't know how that's going to happen. <laughs> well, 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 you know, so, so, they, so there you go. Like this, it, it just goes on and on, you know. It does. And like I said, you know, for us, maybe it's a positive thing, the fact that we've actually got players who are decent, that people are actually sniffing after, which like, you know, that we are successful. But the fact is that we need to get to the situation where we actually do manage to hold on to these players and we actually can turn around to people and say, no, these players are important for us. And, you know, we know there's a lot of economics involved in that, but we have to move into that situation at some stage or else we might as well just give up. Interesting, though, we talked about the ginger Perlow. I was at Wembley uh, yesterday, I think it was, seeing Rooney uh, get his record, he's dancing around the pitch and very happy. And also behind me, very happy, was a bunch of Shrewsbury fans. As soon as I turned around, I said the ginger Perlow, all oh, they started dancing and singing and doing all these songs. <laughs> And uh, they think he's the best player that's come out since, well, since uh, Joe Hart, actually. So uh, we're going to have a little listen to what these Shrewsbury fans had to say about the Ginger Perlo, who hopefully will be playing at Ellen Road on Saturday. Shrewsbury Town fans in the house here. And I'll mention the name, Ryan Woods. And they've gone absolutely mental. Now, this guy, Ryan, Ryan Woods, <laughs> Ginger Ed, we don't care. Ryan, Ryan Woods. Ryan Woods, you seem to be very happy with this player. Is that right? Well, not happy he's, not happy he's left. No. But um, class act, uh, Ginger Pirlo, Ginger Whack-A-Mole, um, all the away fans just uh, always say, who's that number four? Brentford getting a very, very good player. You, you mean, you, you talked to me, you, you, all you, I mean, there's, like, there's quite a few Shrewsbury fans at the England game today, and you were all very, very excited when I mentioned the name Ryan Woods. Well, after two years of watching him, I still don't believe how good he is, because he just knocks me out every time I see him. I mean, what's good about him? What, what's his play? Is, he, is, is it the way that he passes the ball? I mean, what, what, what is it about Well, him? I mean, he's a brilliant passer, and he just knocks spots off what we've seen tonight. And he always wants the ball, he's always willing, always available, and he always does something useful to it. So, I mean, he's just stunning to watch. You say you have the game, you played Chelsea in the Cup, was it last season? And he had a pretty decent game there, didn't he? Yeah, he's, um, my, my favourite memory was turning Oscar and then almost waving to say, see you later, mate. Yeah. Uh, class. And there's a player who's on the pitch at the moment now is Joe Hart, and he hasn't let in a goal all season. Super player, but you spotted him early. Yes, we saw him on his debut against Gravesend. We knew, as Martin said earlier, that he was going to play for England even back then. He was uh, so much above every other goalkeeper we'd had in years, and uh, he proved it. We all knew it. He's gone on to be, you know, and probably beat um, Shilton's record. And you think Ryan Woods is probably the, the best player to come out of Shrewsbury since then? Absolutely. Um, probably with Connor Goldstone, another of our youngsters that just left recently to Brighton. Probably, uh, uh, maybe some of our, my friends here will yeah, disappear. Different disagree. sort of player, but I just think he's the most talented outfield player I've ever seen come out of our academy. Well, one of the most talented I've ever seen play for us. There's a big ooh there. <laughs> so, look, fingers crossed, Ryan Woods could do that, but obviously you wish him all the luck. You rose, you shows me friend, the salad in the house. Yes, everyone's wished him everything. Yeah. Yeah, we really wish him well because he deserves, he deserves to play at a higher level. 
Yeah. Just hope he makes the team quickly for Brentford and shows you fans what he can do and uh, you don't just keep him in the reserves for the next years. We, we need... I think he'll be playing at Ellen Road on Saturday, I'll be honest with you. That would be brilliant because we'll be following Brentford for a little while. Excellent. Well, good luck to you, lads. Good luck to you. That's all right. Ryan Woods, it's, it's quite exciting to actually hear people so excited about a player, especially coming out of out of the lower leagues. And uh, they reckon he's going to be a bit of a rock for us. He's going to be, you know, excellent pass with the ball. He's really calm in the middle. When he played Chelsea last season, he was just he was, he was the man. He was he, he was the real don. And uh, that's what we need at the moment now, isn't it? We we do need some positives, and it, it will make a change for for it not to be us that sort of talks about good players that we had that went on to do better things in higher divisions. Um, like we go, we go, we still talk about people like Jay Tab and Inga Marson and and Sonko that they, they left they left Griffin Park to, to 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 go on to play for you know to, to play for Reading, and you know we we kind of we we could only share in their success from a kind of a position of a slight envy I suppose maybe now that we're in a position where we can get the best players from the lower divisions that want to come and play for us and. You know, it, we can have we can have the success that the players that you know went before and um, had at other clubs. So, you know, yeah, I, I hope I hope it turns out because you know there are there are a lot of Brentford fans that are screaming, where where's all the English players? Where are they all gone? Um, so we we you know, I, I, admittedly, I think I think we do need people that understand the English game and maybe you know he's he's done his apprenticeship um, and you know he has had rave reviews. So. Uh, you know, I, I hope I hope those shrews are the shrews are right. You know, the last the last shrew, shrew that came from uh, from there to Brentford was uh, Paul Evans, wasn't it? And uh, he, right. he, he he was he was he turned out to be an exceptional player for Brentford. You get a player and they get signed sort of quite close to the next game. Yeah. Normally they sort of go on the bench and then you know you give them a game or two, then they slink into the side. But do you think he actually might go straight into the team at Ellen Road? I tell you what, Bill. I, I, I've got a feeling he might do. I mean, look at his record. He didn't miss a game all last season for the Shrews. And yeah. This is a keen operator. This guy loves his football. What more could you want for someone who even moves to a, a new team? If he's got that sort of passion and view, and he's exhibiting that, I know it's early days. They want to see him on the training ground, see how he fits in, where we're going to fit him into. Let's see how he goes. I don't think it's a bad buy. I, I think he it, it needs. I remember we lost. We've lost Scott Hogan at the moment, and is that some sort of cover for him? I think this could have been a good bit of business, to say the least. He, I, think, I, think, of, I think we. I think we have to bring. You know, I think it's, it's, it's showed in the first few games that we are light in a few positions. Um, we've brought these players in in those positions. I think. I think he has to start. We have to see what the kind of signings we're, we're signing. You know, it, it, Kirsch, Kirsch Barmer has not been awful, but he's, he's not he's not the answer there at the moment. Yeah. You, you, you've got you, you know, maybe you know, Woods has got to come in. Yeah. Um, um, you know, Jurisin has to start ahead of ahead of Hoffman. Hoffman yeah. scored a good yeah. goal at Bristol City, but you know, he's had a couple of quiet games. Um, and you know, Jurisin, I don't think I, don't, I think we have to introduce these these players boldly. 
we have to we have to kick, we have to shake our season into life, and we're not we're not going to do it by doing by by introducing players for ten minutes at the end of the game. If you know, we've seen that we're not strong enough at the moment. Maybe it's the players that are in the team currently that they need to sit on the subs bench. They need to be reintroduced. They they're the ones that need to prove themselves all over again. I think Woods, you're absolutely right with uh, Jurison. There's some top people there, and and even if Canos. One minute we're hearing he prefers to be a winger rather than a striker. God, I'd love to see that choice exhibited on the pitch and see how they deal with that particular function. Well, talking about Canos, actually, we'll bring it on because obviously losing yeah. Hotter has really caused us some problems, like, yes. you know? Yeah. Really has. I mean, that creativity, yeah. someone who can run at yes. people, run at players, he'll switch it, it's really caused us problems. There's a lot of pressure on Judge now to be the creative player. We've lost mm. Pritchard, you know, we've lost Jota out there, so... You know, and 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 and, we, and we've missed that as Brentford has. Now we've got this Canos coming. We've got no idea really what he's like, but from what I've heard, actually, he is a player who can run at people. He runs at them. He runs and he takes them on, and that is what we are missing. It sounds like he's going to be the replacement for Hotter until Hotter comes back in January, whenever it's going to be. And he's very highly rated. Um, I, 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 I think I think Canos would be the one that they introduce more slowly out than, than the other two. I, I don't I don't think Ryan Woods has come to Brentford to warm the bench. You know he he must have been given some assurances that he, he he's not coming to us. You know he would have stayed at Shrewsbury to get first team football week in week out and come to Brentford and play you know five times a season. So I, I think I think Ryan Woods will start. I think the loser out of all this is probably going to be um, McCormack. I don't, he, he's not. He's not going to play a, a fullback. Um, you know, Maxine Collin has showed. Um, you know, his quality. So that 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 right back positions his. Um, I, I think I think um, McCormack will be on the bench and, and Woods will start and and um, Tumani. I, I think I think Tumani had a. Had a, had, a, had a kind of a, a shaky few minutes against Reading, but you know I was, I was surprised to see him come off. And I, I think he's shown over the last season and a half what a, what an immense player he is for Brentford. So you know I, I don't want to see I don't want to see Toombs make way. I think he's he's the one who plays with his heart and his heart on his sleeve, and you know you know all power to all power to him. And I, I've, I've noticed today that you know Maxim Collins was saying what, what an amazing player Alan Judge is. So this is kind of a there's a big loving going in the moment as well. There's lots of lots of positives, lots of superlatives being mentioned about each other, which you know I think that's what's needed. I think the players need to, needed to sort of not not come out and, and support anything in particular, but I think. I think you know. I think when you, you know the old the old two week take stock, and you know there's a lot. There is a lot of quality in that squad. There is a lot of quality in this team, and I think um, you know they need they need to they need to sort of uh, come together. So hopefully the last couple of weeks has helped them do that because only vibe has really been away on international duty. Hopefully the rest of them have had a, a bit of time to bond. You know, talking about quality, like I said, Sergi Canos has come from Liverpool, and uh, we know not that much about him, but we thought we'll go over to Liverpool to the Liverpool fan channel Red Men TV and they thought they'll give us a little lowdown on their academy player who's coming down to Griffin Park to play for us. So transfer deadline day is here, it's closed all over and we have signed from Liverpool, surprisingly, Sergi Canos. Exciting winger, we've signed him Take it over from Jot over the next few weeks, and I've got Paul from Redden TV who knows all about my man there. Sergi, Paul, how are you doing? You right? Yeah, very, very good. I think you've got yourselves a little, a little star in potential there, mate. 
I mean, tell us a bit more, Sergi. I mean, he apparently came from Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing about uh, you've got to know about Sergi Canos, I mean, I, I guess a lot of clubs have done this, but he, he, Liverpool took advantage of the same thing that Arsenal did with Cesc Fabregas, not being able to offer uh, young players professional terms. So he poached them at 16. I think very, very highly thought of in Liverpool's academy and, and a very good young player. And as you say, a winger, very good cutting him from the cutting him from the right. He's actually got decent physical attributes. Very exciting. And, and I think in terms of Liverpool, you know, we're hoping this is going to be another example of us sending players down a division to go and be one of the better players in that division to hopefully give them a chance of breaking back into the squad at Liverpool. I mean, you've had a few players that you sent out. You've had Jordan Ive, you've had Texier and stuff like that. Sometimes yeah. it works out, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, for us, obviously, we want to try and pick the top of the pile. We want to pick the players who we think are actually going to make, either make the grade yeah. or come and sign for us. I mean, yes. for you guys... Do you think that he might be in the Liverpool team within the next 12 or 18 months? Uh, that's the big question, and I think it's so tough at Liverpool. The idea being is that, look at Jordan Ive, and I always say, if you're going to send Liverpool players to the, to the Championship, then they need to go and be the best player in that league, as far as I'm concerned, or in that bunch of best players. And Jordan Ive did that. He, you know, he had a great goal return. He, he, he was a constant threat for Derby. Teixeira looked it, but had, had injury problems. I think he broke his leg. So it was, he was kind of happy, but he's still a terrific player. It's a make or break chance for him, you know, he's at that right age. Can he, if he has a very good season, then I think he might play his way into contention Liverpool. You know, we, we like players like that. You know, we've seen the development of Raheem Sterling, as I say, and Jordan Iam coming into that. He could potentially be the next in that succession. If he doesn't, then, you know, that it, it's all down to him, basically, and what kind of what kind of season, you know, he has while he's out on loan. So, Christian, you boys at Redmen TV, obviously you're going to be looking out for the Brentford results now, aren't you? Absolutely, absolutely. My new second favourite team. Nice one. Talk to you later, man. Yeah. Cheers, Paul. So interesting. Fast, fearless, runs at the defence, and his attitude's right, because he seems to be absolutely potty to play for Brentford. He's just saying, brilliant move, I love it. I love it. So, Sergi Canos, Canos kick it. That's the question. <laughs> Shit, I shouldn't have said that, should I? It's good, though. Lady, yes, he can. I hope so. Hopefully he can, yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. sure he can. But I'm, I'm, I'm always excited whenever I leave him, of so, um, so maybe that's maybe that's why. It's pretty much the first question that any Brentford fans ask when they bump into a non-B supporting mate. How's the new stadium getting on when you're moving into the ground? Despite having seen the plans and winning the planning application with the council a couple of years back, it seems that we've hit a bit of a buffer. The owner of one of the buildings has been accused of holding Brentford Football Club to ransom. Apparently, he'd agreed the sale price of his building a couple of times, but he seems to have upped the ante every, every occasion, um, which basically has led to a compulsory purchase order inquiry, public inquiry, that's taking place over the next week or two, the outcome of which will decide, basically, if we can push ahead and start the building process by the end of the year. So I popped down to the inquiry to speak to Brian Burgess, who gave us an update on all things Lionel Road. So, I'm over in Old Brentford Town, where there's a compulsory purchase order inquiry going on at the moment um, with regard to the Lionel Road Stadium and the one remaining property, I believe, on the site, which doesn't really want to move. Brian Burgess is with me, he's part of this inquiry, obviously representing Brentford. Um, he's going to give us an update on where we're at and the time frame of going forward, really, from here. So Brentford fans have got some understanding of you know, what, what's on the cards over the coming months. Brian, how's it all going? What, well, you know, just give us an update, really. 
Thanks for the opportunity to uh, update fans on where we are with the Lionel Road project. You know, we're still moving forward, lots of work to do. Uh, we were hoping to start work on site around the end of the year. Um, and there are really two, two more things that need to happen before we can do fix a date for that. One, the um, Wilmot Dixon, our development partners, are putting in what they call reserve matters applications for the residential development. So these are the blocks of flats that we need to pay for the stadium. Um, they put in already their detailed planning reserve matters for Griffin Park, 75 houses, and that was approved by the Council Planning Committee last week. So Griffin Park's all ready to go, but obviously they can't get their hands on Griffin Park to do anything until the new stadium's open and we've moved. So the next... Um, hurdle then is to get that detailed planning permission for the flats at Lionel Road. They've put in uh, what they call reserve matters for 680 odd of the flats at Lionel Road. Um, that went in in July. The council are considering it now. It's out to public consultation. We anticipate that going to planning committee in October or November. So once that's approved, then the flats will be all ready to go. The stadium's already got detailed permission, so all we need then is to complete the purchase of the land. And we already own 86% of the land we need for the stadium and the flats. Um, there's one site, it's an empty office block called Capital Court, which is on Capital Interchange Way. For you fellows that, that know the area, it's near the Fountain Leisure Centre. It's an office block. If you drive around Capital Interchange Way, you'll see it. As a, it's all... all um, locked and boarded up so you can't get in there it's um, it's getting pretty tatty to be honest uh, but the owner who had agreed to sell it to us twice we agreed a price put the, the contracts through the lawyers hoping to to uh, get the deal done a couple of years ago then reneged on the deal wants more money holding us to ransom so the council have issued a compulsory purchase order now the compulsory purchase order actually isn't just for that site, it's for everything we need because there are a few other little bits and pieces of land, a little bit that nobody knows who owns it, there's some covenants on the site and so on. So it, it, the, the idea of the compulsory purchase order is it deals with everything, it cleanses the land as we call it, so that when we hand it over to Wilmot Dixon there are no complications. Uh, but the main objector to the compulsory purchase order is the company that owns the Empty office block, capital court. So what happens now is the, um, the government have appointed an inspector, planning inspector, to hold a public inquiry. And that public inquiry is taking place in Brentford this week and next week. And we've been putting in our evidence. We spent weeks and weeks, mountains of bloody paper on this. You wouldn't believe it. There's boxes and boxes of paper. So we've been absolutely... Uh, inundated, preparing all our documents, detailed evidence, and then when we've got the evidence from the objectors, we've had to do what they call rebuttals, which, you know, shoot down why their objections aren't valid, and what they've got wrong and so on. And what we've been doing this week is presenting all that to the inspector. So we, our QC, you know, a lot of expensive lawyers and barristers involved in this process, and we have to pay for the councils advisors as well, lawyers, barristers, planning advisors, all the rest of it. Because um, obviously the council taxpayers can't be expected to fund all this, so the club has to pay for it. So Matthew, in his generosity, 
is actually you know funding all this, giving the, the the cash to the club, loaning the cash to the club to make sure we keep the project on track. Anyway, the inspectors very patiently listening to all the evidence this week about why the project's such a good idea, all the community benefits it will deliver, why the club needs a new stadium, why it's not viable at Griffin Park, um, why we need Capital Court office block in order, and we need it for three reasons really. One, get the bridge over the railway so we can get into the east end of the stadium, we can connect the stadium to Capital Interchange Way, that's where we park the away coaches, that's where spectators would walk from Gunnersbury Station, get into the stadium. Uh, we need it for car parking for the stadium, 150 car park spaces for all the hospitality guests and so on, and conferencing and banqueting guests during the week, they'd be on the Capital Court site as well. And, um, and we need it also because there'll be, in our planning permission, there's 200 odd flats on the site, and obviously the income from selling those helps to pay for the cost of building the stadium. So this is, this is a fairly huge hurdle to, to surmount. Absolutely. I mean, this is, well, I mean, I've told the inspector, this is from the point of view of the club and the stadium and the project, this is the only show in town. You know, if we don't get this, because we've got, as you know, we've got planning permission, we've got the Wilmot Dixon developers lined up, we've signed the development agreement, we're all ready to go. If he confirms the compulsory purchase order, we should be starting site on site, first half of next year. Difficult to say. So this this is this is the last this is the last hurdle that we probably may have to navigate, is it? Absolutely. But if he doesn't confirm the compulsory purchase order and we can't get capital court, then obviously the owner has got a complete ransom strip. And either we're gonna to have to try and do a deal with him or the whole thing will crater. So yeah, it is this is, I can't overemphasize the importance of this and we're taking it very seriously obviously and that's why we put in so much time an effort into this process and making sure that our evidence is strong and sound and compelling because that's that's what the Secretary of State has to decide. Is there a compelling case in the public interest for having this land? That's what we're after. So you've given your evidence, they'll give their evidence, then what happens next? What's the time frame? How, when will when would right. the adjudicator give the give decision? This week we're giving our evidence. Next week the main objector will give his evidence. Um, and we'll get cross-examined. So his QC, his barrister, will cross-examine Chris, Chris Gammon and myself um, about our evidence and also the council's witnesses on their evidence. And then the inspector at the end of next week will go away and write his report. That could take weeks. Don't know how long. It's up to him, obviously. I guess it depends how... how uh, straightforward he thinks that the recommendation is when he's written his report that goes to the secretary of state for communities and local government so that's a minister called greg clark so in the same way that with the planning permission for the stadium we had to rely on eric pickles to sign it off now we've been relying on greg clark to sign this one off and um, again we don't know when that will be and it's not until we've got that decision somewhere around the end of the year, early new year, I hope. It's only when we've got that we can then work out when we can start work on site. And when we start work on site, let's say, uh, you know, May, June next year, for example, it'll then take two years to build the stadium. Um, 
couple of months for test events and so on, getting it all commissioned, getting it, make sure it's safe. So we're pretty up against it to start uh, the, the season 2018-2019 season in the new stadium. That's the, that's the target we're aiming for, that we can open the first game of the season, August 2018. So, as you can hear, thanks, thanks for that update. Brian, um, nothing ever, nothing's ever straightforward in life. And just because we've seen the pictures of the stadium, um, and we've got, you know, we've got uh, most other most other parts of this um, going to plan. There's, there's obviously there's obviously things, dual hoops to jump through. So um, so that gives us a little bit of a uh, little bit of background to, to to what's happening the next couple of weeks at the Brentford Free Church. <laughs> The public inquiry is not the only Lionel Road-related story in the news this week. Rhys Williams explains how Brentford fans can get involved with a couple of forums that have been designed to find out what exactly we want from the new stadium. What we want to do is to hold some focus groups with supporters to kind of understand their, their match day experience as it is now, match, what match day... what experiences they've had at other stadiums that they've really enjoyed and sort of get a feel for what they want the new stadium to be for them. So what we're looking to do is two focus groups with around 30 supporters in each, so about 60 total. Um, on Saturday the 19th of September before the Preston game and Saturday the 26th of September before the Sheffield Wednesday game. So information will be coming out from the club shortly. There'll be a link uh, provided on with a, with some information about the surveys, and pe people who want to participate can go on there and put their details in, and then we will we will select some fans supporters to take part. And the key point about that is we want we want to make sure we we capture as many people as possible, all the different fans that we have, you know, our disabled supporters, our, our old supporters, our young supporters, our families, our families with their young kids. We want we want to get a, a, a really broad picture of. Of, from all our different fans about what they want at the new stadium and it's just to help inform decisions that will be being taken over the coming months about how the, we should design the stadium so are you going to be looking for people to tell you what they want as well as what they don't want from the new stadium um well so there'll be a moderator uh, for these events uh, a very talented guy called richard hebert who works a lot on the brighton project and he will be sort of steering the the, the conversations but what what he will be doing is is asking questions about what is it you like, what is it you don't like at, 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 about your match day currently, what is it you would like to see, and these sorts of broad questions. And, and it's about just sort of using that and interpreting that information that we will get to, to help us groups. Don't worry, everyone will have a chance to have their say and to, and to put their thoughts forward about what they want and what they don't want uh, and, and what they'd like to see and, and their thoughts generally. So, But the, the, the questions will be driven by what supporters tell us they want at the focus groups. So if you want to take part in either of these focus groups, there's going to be links on the Brentford website and they, you, they will send you their details and they'll be invited. Is that basically right? It's not, it's not a turn up on the day? It's not a turn up on the day, no. I mean, it'll be in the hive uh, pre-match from 11 o'clock until, uh, until 12.15. At 12.15, obviously, we'll all be turfed out, but if as long as you're coming to the game, you can all come back in. And obviously the members of the project team will stay behind after for the early gate, which opens at 12.30. And so we're more than happy to have a drink and talk things through in more detail with people who attend. Uh, but 
what we will do is we will select fans to represent supporters from all different parts of the ground. So, you know, if 100 people say they want to come forward, or hopefully it will be more, we'll have to make some decisions about that. But we will, our, our criteria for that are making sure that we get a broad cross-section of supporters to turn up. So, yeah, it will be going out on the club website, and then I'm hoping that, uh, obviously, as well as doing this, we'll, you can help us spread the word as well, Dave, uh, through Bizotted. We'll make it, sure it goes up through the grapevine. We'll go out through Bias, and of course we'll go out through Beach United. So we'll make sure that every, all the fans, all, all the fan channels have it and can push push it out to all of the all the people who who are there involved with, so that we can reach as many people as possible. So we really do want as many fans to take part in this as possible. So there you, there you have it. Um, you know, it's a, a lot of people have been saying, when when are they going to ask us what we want? When can I get involved? When can I have my say in what this new stadium is going to be like? So. This sounds like it's your first opportunity, really, to uh, to come down and join in with the focus group. So look out for information on all the Brentford websites. Make sure if you've got something um, that's burning um, and you want to have your say on the new new stadium, then uh, you can get down to one of the, the, the next two home games early um, and then uh, obviously just share your thoughts. So there you have it, We've got the stadium update. Uh, very interesting, that, actually. And Mark, I mean, you're a property lawyer. You listening to that and, uh, and hearing what's going on, does, does that ring a few bells for you? Um, it, it's a classic case of uh, if someone's got something of value, um, they're clearly going to try and plough on it from a business and negotiating point of view. But then the law of the country is very clear. If it's for the public good, the compulsory purchase order uh, routine in statute, serves its purpose, providing due process is followed. So uh, any wily businessman will play on that aspect to the fullest extent to try and maximise their profit on what they own. So, I mean, a little bit of a battle going on there, but in your experience, you can't say for definite, of course, because you don't know the details of this case, but in your experience, you know, you think things might be swinging, you know, better in Brentford's favour. As long as people go through the correct process... Anyone, and especially with the council backing, who says this is for the benefit of the community and has already brought it to the level of a compulsory purchase order and gone through the process, um, the vibes can only be good, but I'm not acting for these people, so therefore everything is is speculative. However, the the due process is being followed, and once it's exhausted, as, as I believe with other parcels of land that have been involved for the site, Let's hope that this final hurdle is cleared and we can move forward to a starting building of a new stadium. Uh, you can remove your wig now, uh, Mystic. <laughs> <laughs> but, keep, but keep your clothes on. Keep your clothes on. <laughs> As all lawyers will sit on the feds, we're here to give you legal advice, not to make decisions. How, <laughs> much, how, much, how, much, how much per hour are you, mate? I couldn't possibly discuss that unless you were my client. Saturday. Brentford head up to Ellen Road as we look to take on Uwe Rosler's Leeds United. Sounds quite strange, actually, Uwe Rosler's Leeds United. A reunion, a reunion, Bill. That's right, indeed. Um, this could be a, I think this could be a real tester as to see yeah. how we're shaping up. I mean, Leeds are very much work in progress. They're still unbeaten in the league, albeit with a raft of draws. But then they did get a win against Derby just for the international window, and apparently Derby were absolutely rubbish. Um, which is, again, a bit of a hangover from last season. We caught up with Loaded founder, James Brown. 
He's also the editor of blog Sabotage Times, and he told us how he feels about his Leeds United and how he feels they're going to fare at the weekend against the Beast. So, international games are over, and we're looking forward to Saturday. Beads are off to Ellen Road to go and play Leeds United, and uh, I think we're quite happy for the breakdown, Orange, but I thought, let's get the word from a Leeds fan. We're going to chat to James Brown, ex-editor of Loaded, started Loaded, also enemy, and he's now the editor of Sabotage Times. You can get that online. You can also hear him on the Johnny Bourne show on TalkSport as well, and most importantly, he's a Leeds United fan. How are you doing, James? All right, great, Billy, thanks. Looking forward to uh, seeing the clubs play again, really, after the international break. That's right. I mean, we needed a break more than uh, most teams, actually, because we've had a, an interesting start to the season. Um, but it's, all, it's been all changed for you, actually, hasn't it? You know, um, at least, you know, and uh, I'd say that you've come back this season with a slight Brentford tinge to it. Yeah, we've got your old manager. That's uh, right, Uwe Rosler. Yeah, and we've got two of your midfielders, former midfielders. That's right, that's Stuart Dallas and Tom Adieme. And, and also you spoke to Mark Warburton as well, you told me, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I don't think that's common knowledge, but I know that he was, he was very much in the running for the Leeds job and that he wanted a bit too much money. Yeah, I guess people at Leeds thought that, you know, that Brentford have had good managers. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a Brentford feel. I mean, it's, it'd be interesting to see what happens in the game on Saturday because I, I saw a... Uh, away at your ground about a year ago. It was very near the, near the start of the season last year, and right. it was we'd been on a really good run of four wins under Neil Redfern, who, who had taken over from the inexplicably appointed David Hockaday, who's <laughs> uh, very much out of his depth as a, as a, as a sort of a first-team coach at a top uh, championship-level team, and uh, we were doing really, really well. And then the, the owner had changed the team again. Uh, changed the management again, and we had this Serbian guy came in called Dar- uh, Darko, who we all called him Milanovic, and uh, Milanic, and he'd come from Switzerland. That was his first game at Brentford, and it was really the team. It just looked for us. You obviously didn't know any different, but it just looked so stale and sort of stilted. And we'd been playing really good free-flowing football for the previous month and won every game. So it, it wasn't really a fair representation of what Leeds were at that time. Yeah. Uh, but my memories then of just you overrunning us, really. Pitchard was very impressive. Dallas yeah. and Gray. You were, I just thought you were very fast moving around. Now, a year on, it's interesting times at Leeds because we are unbeaten this year. Yeah. Uh, one of the few teams that, that, that haven't been beaten yet. A lot of draws, though. Yeah, you know, that's the upside of it is we've been unbeaten, but we've actually lost the lead in the league three times, which isn't good. Uh, one of them was against Bristol City when we were winning 2 0 with about an 86 minute, and we ended up drawing that 2 2. And that, that just felt like a defeat, really, because you should be able to defend a two goal lead with four or five minutes to go. Uh, and we've only, you know, like I said, we've only won one of those games. Where we where we've lost the lead, and I think that it's early days. We've got the one thing is we've got a very good squad now. We really have got a very good squad. We've got excellent yeah. midfield. Uh, we've got an inventive striker in Antonucci, who kind of plays off the main striker. We've the first time since Luciano Becchio left, we've got an out and out centre forward who scores goals, yeah. um, and in in Wood, and and I think that's 
that's been important because for the certainly the second half of our season, we played with a centre forward who yeah. didn't, you know, he didn't, he didn't score. It was a really weird. He worked very hard. Uh, this is a lad who's gone down to Millwall again, and uh, you know he scored two goals in his last two games. But this guy would he scored three goals already this season. I think three in the last last three games, and uh, it's just what we've needed. And I think that with Dallas coming in, he's not done as much as the fans had hoped for yet. Um, But there hasn't been... The midfield's not really settled yet. I don't know if Rosler did this at Brentford, but he... He changes the squad quite a lot. Uh, I mean, I don't agree with that. I think at the start of the season, you get your settled team, and there'll be bookings and red cards and injuries and people coming back from international breaks tired and they're, they're all forced changes that will occur every week mm. and I think you need, and then I think in a couple of the games he'd have been better just leaving the team it's interesting you say that because he did exactly the same thing at Brentford he rotated the team a lot and the fans did get a little bit digy about him rotating the team a lot because they felt he should um, choose the team as it is and things actually only changed when we had a bit of a Bad spell uh, towards the end of his reign. We were actually doing not particularly well. We lost against Stevenage, and he went in the dressing room. They had a big, 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 big falling out with the players. They all talked about what was right and wrong, and he came out and he kept the same team for the last I don't know eight, nine, ten games that he was at Brentford before he got poached by Wigan. So that's quite an interesting thing that you know he's flipping that pack at Leeds. Yeah, I think also again it's there's been a lot of lust. I don't know if it's because it's social media so you can interact with people more rather than just on match day or in the workplace or whatever in the pub, but there's been a lot of debate over the last four or five years with Leeds fans. A lot of heated arguments, really, about... It's it's become a sort of a state of mind for Leeds fans to be bickering. And um, actually, for fairly long periods of last season, we had an excellent midfield... We just didn't have anyone up front scoring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because Rosler's brought Adyemi and um, Dallas in, our midfield has changed a bit. Now, we had one guy, I don't know, I don't know if you remembered him, he's an, an, an older guy, he's a Jamaican captain called Rudy Austin. He's gone, oh. and Tom has kind of replaced him as the strong ball-playing de- defensive midfielder. And uh, But it's... You know, it's not sort of settled yet. We'd had Luke Murphy, who played very well in the second half of last season. He he was out injured at the beginning of the season. And Lewis Cook got a red card almost straight after scoring his his first goal for Leeds a few months, uh, you know, about a month ago. And um, I think it was against Sheffield Wednesday. And uh, you know, so it's I I just think what you what you'll see is on Saturday you'll see a Leeds team that are still kind of working out what Rosler wants them to do. That's what it yeah. feels like. You've been watching a team who aren't sort of buoyant and unchanged. You know, they're accommodating two or three new players. There were, there's some real positives, though. We've got a very good centre-back, which is the first time we've had that for probably about six years, which yeah. uh, is Sol ba- who is Sol Bamba. Mm. He, he was on loan for us last year, and he, and he really displayed leadership qualities. Yeah. And, and, and he's a real strength. And... I mentioned that, that, you know, look, I think the fans have expected more from Dallas, but there was a fantastic bit, and I think it was the equaliser in the Chef Wednesday game, where Dallas had switched onto the right wing, and he, he was in the far corner and of, uh, of the wing. He was kind of in line with the, the edge of the 18-yard of the box, and he just pushed it through the full-back's legs, 
run it, and as he went past him, Wood leapt into the um, six-yard box, and he was just pointing where he wanted it. Dallas yeah. looked up, drilled it in, in the back of the net, and it was a goal. And it was it was important for Leeds, so apart from getting us back in the game, was we haven't had that probably since Robert Snodgrass and Jermaine Beckford or Gradle and Becchio. We haven't had a winger who's beaten a man and a centre-forward who said, put it there and I'll put it in the back of the net. And, and hopefully that'll be the first of, of many times when that combination will lead to goals for us. Yeah, well, I mean, that's Stuart Dallas. I mean, again, it's a, and a big point in question for a lot of Brentford fans. I mean, the, the problem was Stuart Dallas really wanted to leave this season. He wanted to go to Rangers with Mark Warburton. Uh, I think he's a Rangers fan from when he was a kid. I don't think uh, Rangers had the money to, to buy Dallas, and Leeds came in and made the biggest offer, and he was going to go regardless. So it's a, it's a hole in our side again. But it's interesting because you use Dallas in a slightly different way to what we do because he was bought off the bench a lot for us. Yeah, I read that. I think you put that in the piece you wrote for Sabotage Times that he was used a lot as an impact player. But he's, I think, you know, when a manager goes to a new club, he usually wants to have two or three people that he's worked with before uh, on the pitch and his own sort of team around him with coaches and fitness men and so on. And and we desperately needed a winger. We we had two fantastic wingers in Snodgrass and, and uh, Maxi Gradle is now at Bournemouth and they were both let go by Bates both sold and it, this, this, we've had fullbacks playing in the midfield positions we've had Sam Byron and, and the young lad Taylor and they've done pretty well but we've not had anyone who really can just go around players and get it in and I think we certainly want to see more of that we've also got a new player that we've just bought uh, attacker who's uh, a Democratic Republic of Congo player who, who, who could make his debut and may come on as a sub on Saturday. Um, so, you know, there's there's a great video of him doing the rounds, doing all these sort of soccer AM style fancy flicks and yeah. uh, showboating. But uh, we just haven't had any pace. And at last, we've got uh, a centre forward who can finish balls that are put into him. We've also got lads in midfield who can score in uh, Moa and, uh, and Murphy. So, you know, I think Leeds will do a lot better this year. The, the, the squad is, is much stronger than it was last year. We're saying that Brentford and Leeds quite different, so it's going to be quite a different game to both the one that you saw at Ellen Road and the one that we saw at Griffin Park Yeah, as well. you beat us both times, didn't you, last year? That's right, that's right. It was a good season I for us. I think only you... I'm probably wrong on this, but the, the two teams I remember doing that were you guys and Watford. I didn't get to the Ellen Road games for Brentford or Watford because of doing the warm-up show on Talk Sport. But, um, you know, we underperformed last year because so, cause we had, like, four managers. Yeah. Uh, Are you surprised but, that Uwe's still there? <laughs> well, I, I'm sensing you're joking a little bit, but on Monday there were loads of rumours saying that uh, Shalino wanted to fire him after Sheffield Wednesday. He's joking. So, but what we need more than anything is consistency because had he appointed Redfern at the start of last year and then got him a decent coach and got him some players like he's got Rosler, we'd have probably been in the top six or seven. Um, you know, we were really, we did really well under him and then he, he kind of um, he got he did too well, he got too popular and Cellino was on his ban and he got jealous basically I think and yeah. uh, didn't like the attention he was getting and undermined him there was a there was a bit of a weird walkout where six players reported ill. 
uh, even though the, uh, the, the physio said there was nothing wrong with them. And uh, who knows? It's, uh, people who have left have said it was a very divided setup last year. I think the, one of the differences is Bamba is that Bamba has played in Italy. He's also played in Britain. He's, he's now the captain. Yeah. And I think he, because he probably speaks Italian, I hope he speaks Italian, and, you know, he, he, I think he, he will lead, give leadership on the pitch, which we haven't had for an awful long time. Sure. So Saturday, big game on Saturday. Like I said, Brentford, we've had quite a few changes. Players left late on. Andre Gray's left. Odd Bardu left. Jota's got injured. Scott McEachern's got injured, you know. So we've kind of seen the soul ripped out of our side. We've got a load of new players we're still trying to bring in. Um, people like um, Vibe, who's up front, you know, still still trying to gel a little bit. And we've also bought the Ginger Perlo from Shrewsbury this weekend as well, Ryan Wood. So I reckon he's right. going straight in the side. So uh, it's well, going to be an interesting game. Well, you know, um, I'm just looking at the, at the league table now. You've played one game less. I mean, if you... If you had won the game in hand, I'm um, guessing it's over Birmingham. That's right. You know, you would actually be uh, just next to us. You'd, you, you'd be 12th, we're 10th. Yeah. So it's yeah. still, you know, you, you get. I think it's at fifth, five games, you get a sense of what the league is like. You yeah. Know, I mean, you know, after five games, you can still possibly have a, a you know, an unusual combination of teams near the top yeah. uh, of, of any division. But, after the fifth game, there's been enough time there now, and and it'll be you know it'll be going on. You've still got one to play there, so yeah. I, I don't think that you know you've got four points. You're uh, that seventh or eighth from bottom. I, I don't think you should be looking on yourself too harshly because if you win that game in hand, you've got seven points and you're in the top ten, top That's eleven, right. twelve. You're in the top half of the division. That's right, and then we've got Birmingham on Tuesday. The game is called off, obviously, because of a ridiculous pitch that we had that we couldn't play on. Yeah. So, you know, so we could be back in the game. But again, last season, it took us till probably November till we actually clicked into gear. So again, as Brentford fans, we're not that worried about the situation as yet. We just, we're just looking and watching. But Saturday, what do you reckon? Two teams are going to come up against each other. The new Leeds, who's just starting to join well, Uwe Rosler. I, you know, you ask people for predictions. You ask, you know, you just... It, I always say what I hope. <laughs> I hope we need to go win. Uh, <laughs> certainly, I mean, I, I tell you a key thing about that last game we played when we beat Derby. Last year, Derby were one of the most... Uh, I saw two very organised teams beat us. Derby, when we were pulling against them on... Uh, I think it was... Uh, it was the 30th of December. It was the day before New Year's Eve. And, and they were all over. They were very well organised. And we beat them this time. And um, also, Ipswich were very strong as well last year in terms of organisation. So yeah. the fact that we've improved enough to beat a team that really dominated us last Christmas is a good sign. But also, Wood didn't have a very good game. His possession and his distribution wasn't very strong. And yet he still, I don't know if you saw the winner, absolute yeah. cracker, really, yeah. really good goal. Yeah. Uh, breathtaking goal. And the sort of goal that, you know, took it with his back to goal on the edge of the D pushed it across the D, and as he turned, cracked it in. One of those that hit the side of the post, side of the net, and rolled, you know, actually rocketed across the goal. Uh, so that, it's not always just getting the goals, it's, it's scoring a goal whilst you're having a bad game. Uh, when, when you've dropped a lead, because we're winning one, they, they've equalised, we've, we've gone and lead, and then maintaining that. So I think this should be coming out of that last one with some confidence. Uh, Dallas, 
uh, and Cook have both played internationals this week. Yeah. So, um, you know, who knows? They always say footballers are tired these days. It seems bizarre, you know. But uh, so it might be they might. I don't know whether they'll come straight back in or not. Yeah, it only does. But do you me. think? I mean, what do you think? Yeah, do you think? You know your team better than than I. I mean, I'd be. I would be quite happy if we if we as long as we don't lose. Yeah, again, we'd be, I think we'd be happy with the draw at the moment. Now we're still, we're still, uh, we're still growing. We're still working. Um, the team's still gelling at the moment now. And uh, like I said to you, a lot of players haven't been in. The, they haven't played even you know championship football very long, so they're still feeling the game. We've got a new manager, yeah. you know. So all these things we realise are going to take a bit of time. You know, we're going to places like Leeds, who you know, big crowd, big noisy crowd. They get behind their team, you know, which makes it makes a really big deal. And also, like I said, you've got you know, you've got players that have been there for, you know, season two seasons. They start to understand what it's all about. And you've got Uwe Rosler, who, you know, I know Uwe very well. We talked to him a lot. I started when he was at Brentford. He spoke to us a lot. Really lovely yeah. guy. Very organised guy. Knows what he wants. Gets the discipline going with the team. You know, if anything, sometimes he might be a little bit, as they call it, risk averse sometimes. So, as you say, sometimes you go ahead, then you, then you squander the lead. Um, whereas yeah. what we played last season, we used to go for it, as you saw. We'd go for it, we'd go for it, we'd go for it. Sometimes, some say a little bit too kamikaze. We're not quite the same as that this season, but it's going to be a difference in styles where, you know, Uwe does his thing and we're going to do our thing. And for me, I'll be very happy with a draw, a one all draw to see a score at Ellen Road and, and get a one all draw, be happy with that. Yeah, um, I, think, I think from our point of view as well is that, you know, the same as I was compared to against, you know, Derby who beat us last year away. That um, you know you you got six points from us last year. So if we get anything more, and it, it almost sounds defeatist, but you know as they're gelling, as they're coming together, I, I, I would be quite happy in an improvement on on the loss last year. You know we've had four players have scored for us so far. So we've we've Dallas has come close a couple of times. A fantastic save. Uh, I think in the uh, I can't remember which game. It's one of the recent games. Um, he, he had a really good shot and it was brilliant so he gets him out Moat's yet to start scoring Byram normally gets a, free, a few and Murphy so Leeds have got goals to come from midfield so I would say Saturday you'll be looking at I think we'll score a couple I think, okay. I think we'll get a couple of goals okay, so cool. that we can keep them out you know yeah alright so okay, no, great talking to you I really great. enjoyed this so good luck with this uh, yeah. and maybe we'll talk when the reverse fixture is in the second half of the season. That's hopefully, definitely so. That's James Brown, ex-editor of Loaded, and from the Sabotage Times. You can check them out online. Nice one, James. Yep. Cheers, then. So, there you have it from James Brown from Sabotage Times. Very, very confident that Leeds are moving in the right direction. And you can see he thinks they're going to get a little bit of a result on Saturday. Boys, just looking at this game at the weekend, I'm just going to ask you, everything that's gone on the last month, We've had a bit of a break. We've got this Leeds game. If there's one thing that you are hoping to see on Saturday, what is that? Mark? Ooh. Ooh. From me, personally, uh, we've touched on it earlier. I'm looking for that midfield performance. The Dave Kirschenbauer thing. I want to see some serious improvement there. Whether it involves new faces, new people, um, whether it's the Ginger Perlo. Uh, God, I hate using that phrase, but Mr. Woods, let's be polite and formal. Um, however that may work, whatever they've been working on in training, 
I want to see something serious in that central midfield. We've touched on Maka and and people like that. Mm, uh, I've got to agree with Maxime running down the wing as well. He's very confident performance as well. I'd love to see some of that start into gel, some good movement through that back four, whatever formation we're going to run, whether it's, I don't know, Brave as a three. Um, let's see what happens. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that effort through the central midfield to see what balls we can spray about or hold up as well for our forwards. Laney? I'm hoping that I feel half as good as I did when I left Ellen Road last season this year. So even half as good. Um, on, on the pitch, I am hoping that the last two weeks have been spent wisely on the training pitch and we've been able to integrate a couple of signings. To, to do. What I want to see is a jump forward, a quantum leap forward. Um, I, I think I think that we, we, we were able to leave a lot of the uh, insecurities and uh, um, negativity behind us. And I think, you know, I think the manager needs to now step up to the mark. He needs to mould this team into how he wants to play. He knows he knows what he's left with now for at least an, at least another three or four months. So this team that he puts out on Saturday, I'm expecting to be a, a, a more equipped championship team. Um, I, I'm expecting to see us play some good football, look dangerous, create chances, take chances. I want I want to see I want to see vibe um, through the, through the middle, whether he's slightly behind Jurisin. I, I, want, I want to see a formation that allows the quality and the um, the, 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 the flair that is here. If we have got we have got flair players. I want them to be able to um, be able to play with confidence. Um, and, and a bit of carefree football, um, and I want us to be tight at the back. I want I want the players that have been here a while to step up to the mark as well. I, I want to see Tarkowski and I want to see Dean play without making any mistakes for 90 minutes, not for 80 minutes and making and making a howler. I want I want I want that's what I want. I want Brentford to be at their optimum on Saturday because they, they they're going to need to do that for four or five weeks now. Um, and I don't think that's too much to ask. I think we've I think we've made allowances for them. I think I think we've made a lot of allowances for them. I think some people have made less allowances for them and have contributed to some of the gloom. They, they've got every right to do that. But I think now we need the, the team, the manager and the players to step up to the mark. And that's what I'm expecting Saturday. And equally on Tuesday, Mid- Middlesbrough scares the life out of me. Lost five times, you know, four times to them last year. Um, I, I'm not I'm not going up there expecting to lose but you know it, it's it's not looking great so we need the Brentford team to go out on the pitch on Saturday and be 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 up there with, and, and compete with the team that represented us last year yeah. and, and, and and you're correct I mean we're talking about Saturday Saturday and Tuesday we can almost like merge those two games into one because these are two key games they're very similar to the games in in, uh, in September I suppose when we our season sort of started to turn around we lost to Middlesbrough you know, and, and you know, we, we lost the Middlesbrough around that Middlesbrough. We had the, the Wigan a few weeks later and stuff like that. And, you know, all of a sudden our season started to turn around. And this really is a key point. And for me, the thing that I want to get out of here is that, I mean, obviously I've only been away for quite a long time. I've only actually seen one Brentford game so far this season. I'm going to be catching up very much um, after this. <laughs> catching very much after this. But So I've been sort of watching a lot of things 
via social media from you guys hearing what's going on. And obviously there's been quite a lot of negativity that's been flying around, which has been quite unusual, if anything, for Brentford. For the last two, three seasons, there's never re- hasn't been so much negativity. It's been be- very, very before, positive. Before Mark comes in, can I just like to say one, one last thing? Was We went to these stadiums last year and showed no fear, and the players showed no fear, and that was the biggest surprise to me, in the cha- one of the biggest surprises to me in the Championship, was you know, as a fan, I went to some of these stadiums and was more overawed than the players. And I don't want to go to these stadiums this year and be be frightened of what could happen to us. And I, before before the Reading game, thinking of Leeds and and Middlesbrough, I thought, my God, we're going to get properly turned over. So, you know, that doesn't need to happen because we. I, I believe that we have got players that needn't let that happen. They just need to go out and prove it now. So, so just going back to what I was saying earlier. They, the players and the manager and everyone needs to step up to the mark now. And I don't think that's too much to expect. Dave has a good point there as well. It, it's the question of, do we, I think it showed at, at Bristol City, did we look like the League One team who'd just come up or were we the established championship team? It, it's all a question of making sure that you look correct, you look right in what you're doing. We've gone leaps and bounds of where we were before and yes, we are rebuilding. We are trying to integrate new players into the, into a new system that we're running. And and I think Dave and we've we've talked about this before as well. Touched on the point about Marinus is an integral part of this. It's not just the team and the manager. It's how the unit works together and makes it happen. And we've not even talked about the backroom squad. We've got a set piece coach. We've got a sleep coach, if I remember rightly. These are all the sort of pieces of the puzzle that put together. And I have a great belief that as these pieces of the puzzle come together, you hit about 75, 80% of it where it clicks and we accelerate away. And let's hope we can find that sooner rather than later because I think the holiday period is running out for what we're trying to do. Dave has his expectation that he's eloquently just put forward. I'm prepared to give it a few more games, but, oh, by Christ, the tester is certainly the next two games, Leeds and Middlesbrough away. Mate, you couldn't get we, more we of a might, testament we, we, in a championship, you know? We might have a sleep coach. We might have a philosophy coach, but we haven't got a supporters coach going to Middlesbrough. No. <laughs> well, that's yes. right, actually. They've uh, cancelled the supporters coach to Middlesbrough because, unfortunately, we had... I'm almost embarrassed to say how many 16, wasn't it? There. Yeah. It was less than yeah. that, actually. Uh, oh, I mean, you could also so. say, you know, they put the Middlesbrough game on a Tuesday night. The fact that the form that we're in, you know, the cost of going to Middlesbrough, people yeah. working, you know. But still, it's not great because that also reflects on the vibe of maybe what's going around with. So certain people have turned around who might have taken a last-minute day off work and decided not to. Uh, which is bad. But for me, I know what Laney says about his objectives and what he thinks the team would go, and, and mm. Mystic said the yeah. same thing. But for me, the marker in the sand, and this is where it's going to really go off, because, you know, the team does need time to gel and do their things. But what they also need to remember, and I remember this last season because we said, in November, we said we really hope the team and Warburton and everybody understands the importance of one particular game, which was the Fulham game. And when that game came... Everyone on that pitch understood the importance of it and they really took it to task. And there's a game that's happening the day before Halloween on the 30th on a Friday night, which I don't care what's going on. That team and the manager and everyone needs to be ready for that game because that's the game that we can't 
collapsed on. You know, and I know that sounds like a lot of pressure, but we've got a month and a half to actually build ourselves towards that because that's going to be a real testament for a lot of the fans to see exactly where we pitch ourselves in this division. Absolutely, and I believe tickets go on sale next week for that game, if I'm not mistaken. And, and that's for people who don't understand what we're talking about, that's the QPR game, which is on oh, the sorry, I thought, you were, I thought you were about Rotherham. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you're build, no, build, no, no, building no. this Rotherham game up a little bit too strong, mate. <laughs> I was excited about Rotherham last season, and I just, I just can't hold it in anymore. Listen. But anyway, good. listen, we're going to finish this up today. Um, it be great getting back into it, getting back into the swing, chatting with you lads. Um, we'll have more next week. We'll be with more to talk about after the Leeds game, after the Borough game as well, because we're going up to Borough on Tuesday. Um, <laughs> Spending Tuesday night up there because uh, we can't get back from trains. <laughs> Thank you, fix people. And uh, we put do a podcast on the train on the way back on the Wednesday. So uh, we look forward to that. But you can check us out at any time. Besotted.co.uk. There's all sorts of updates on there. We've on audio boom for our podcast. Besotted. Just check us out there. Also iTunes. You can get us there. Just automatically down our pod, uh, automatically download our podcast from iTunes. And on YouTube, all our videos, lovely videos, are up there on Besotted 1992. Boys, Saturday, I will see you all at King's Cross at a very nice hour. We'll get into Leeds and we will enjoy our day up there, no doubt. Win-lose, we are not going to snooze. That's all I can say, isn't it? <laughs> no, definitely. You be. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.